We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm ready to get in the mailbag, Ben. So okay. let's, let's let's wrap this up and let's yes. get on over the mailbag. So everybody, that's going to do it for our fall camp preview. Thanks for sticking around, having some fun with us. It's, tomorrow's the day, man. It's Christmas Eve. We're excited. Probably not going to sleep very well tonight. I, I'm fired up, man, to get this thing going. We're going to get some of our questions answered and and start moving forward. But uh, make sure you hit that like button, that subscribe button, the notification bell, share with your family and friends, all of those fun things. And, uh, and thanks for listening to the Irish Breakdown Podcast, but stay tuned for the mailbag. All right, everybody, let's jump right in to the mailbag. So, I got to oh. respond to this thing going on in the mailbag right Please now. Please do, because I don't so know this, what's happening. This guy in the chat says, he's talking about like, you know, we <clears> said they don't have a Justin Ross. Notre Dame does not have a Justin Ross in their roster. They don't. He, he, they don't. And, and this guy says, well, that's not true. Uh, Justin Ross was ranked the same as Tobias Merriweather and Deion Colsey. No, he wasn't. And so I gave the ranking to show that the stat was was I said so I said number one I don't care about rankings number two what you said was wrong he wasn't ranked as high and then he goes his response basically well so how come rankings matter to you sometimes but then but then you're going to point to him being five stars I'm not the one that brought up star rankings (laughs) I'm simply saying what you said was inaccurate and this notion that well if Justin Ross was at Notre Dame they wouldn't have played him guys come on can we not be that fan base. Can we not be that fan base? I mean, I just got done telling you that last year Bogan had eight sophomores starting in the game. Right. I love Tobias Merriweather. He's the highest ranked receiver that Notre Dame has signed in my book since Michael Floyd in 08. But I can also sit here and tell you to say, I also evaluated Justin Ross and Tobias is not Justin Ross. Maybe he eventually could be, but Tobias caught one pass as a freshman. Correct. Justin Ross had a, thousand yards receipt well what about the team around them well hold on a second you just got telling me that all these Notre Dame players were really that good but they didn't get a chance now you're telling me that they're that they didn't produce because the talent around them is not good pick a lane and stay in it please can we do that (laughs) right like you can't keep changing the argument to fit what you think is going on right I hope that you're right that Tobias and Dion are better than Justin Ross but you have no evidence of that other than just you're a fan. And if you're going to use an argument to say, well, their rankings were just as high, well, you pick the one, you know, the one outlet that says that they were ranked just as high, or this other site says wasn't as good. And but the reality is, is they, they he still was ranked higher than those other guys. And so it, it's just kind of it's kind of frustrating. You can disagree with me all you want. That's fine. We can have the conversation. But if you're going to make an argument in disagreement, at least be somewhat, I don't know, consistent in the argument you're making, right? And don't don't be that guy that nitpicks and says, well, I'm, I'm going to choose this recruiting services ranking because it fits my preconceived notion better. That's a bad argument and not one that's going to really go far with you. And it just, it doesn't hold a lot of merit, you know, to, to your argument. I hope that you're right. I hope that they are. But one recruiting service had Tobias Merriweather in the top 100. Nobody had him in the top 50. Only one had Deion Coles in the top 100. Nobody had him in the top 50. Justin Ross was ranked as the number 15 player in the country 
And he was higher on the composite and the consensus than all those guys. That's just a fact. Mm-hmm. Okay. He had a thousand yards receiving as a true freshman. Right. So if you're going to say, well, the town around him wasn't as good, but then in the same breath say, but they've got all this talent that was never used. That's a lazy argument to just be like, well, Tom Maurice doesn't play freshman. It's just a lazy argument. Notre Dame just had the, a freshman set their all-time passing record in 2020. A playoff team had a true freshman at tight end catch more passes for more yards than any freshman tight end in the history of Notre Dame football. So what does that prove? If a guy's good enough where it's a no-brainer, he's going to play. Justin Ross was a no-brainer, so he played. That's just a fact. Now, should Tobias have played more last year? Yes, Do I think Tobias can be as good as T. Higgins? Yes, that's my comp for him. But Justin Ross was also better than T. Higgins before he got hurt. That's just a fact, right? Now, I hope that you're correct. But if you're going to debate here, just be consistent with your arguments. Use good faith arguments. And I'll respect that. I will, okay? But just be honest. And, 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 And I'm seeing from the responses that he's not. So I'm pretty much, I've wasted too much time on this guy. I, at first I thought he was really trying to have a real discussion, mm-hmm. but his response to what I just said tells me he's not serious. So we can move on to the other, the other topic now, Vince. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And that is, <laughs> is Clemson and Oregon blue bloods in college football? Oh, Wow. Oregon? No. Definitely not. Definitely not. That's easy. Yeah. Clemson? I oh, I still say no because okay. here, here to me, here's what here's what a blue blood has to be. A blue blood to me has to be a team that is good for a a, a long period of time. Sure. And so like if Alabama was had only like two national titles in history before Nick Saban did what he did, I would say they were so good during the stretch that they've thrust them thrust themselves into blue blood status. I don't think what Clemson and Georgia, because I don't also I also don't consider Georgia blue blood. Georgia had two national titles in the history of their program, I believe, prior to the last two years. Right. So so to me, Clemson has been great in the last seven, eight years. But prior to the last seven, eight years. They had one title in their history, and that was 1981. And the number of titles is not the end-all, be-all, Vince, because if you have only one title, but like you're, you're just got decades of being really good, then that's fine. But it's kind of like Florida, right? Like why Florida's not sure. a blue blood? Because Florida had two great short stretches under Steve Spurrier and, and, Urban, mm-hmm. and Urban Meyer. Outside of that, their win percentage outside of the decade plus of Spurrier and the six or seven years of Urban – was in the 500s, no titles, right? You're not a blue blood. And so to me, there has to be some history of, of winning. 
Now you can go through periods where you don't win a championship, but you can't go through for like, like if Notre Dame in the last 35 years never had the O2 team and the O5 team and the 2012 team and two playoff teams, then you could kind of have a discussion about, are they still a blue blood, even though they haven't won a title, but they have had that level of success. So you don't necessarily have to win a title. Like Michigan's the one that people point Michigan shouldn't be considered a blue blood. I hate Michigan, but they're a blue blood because yes, they haven't won a ton of titles, but every decade, except for the 2010s, right? I'd say late 2000s and into the 2010s, like before that period after Carr, before Harbaugh, they were bad. They were bad. But for decades, they were a really good football team. They didn't have a lot of national championships. But Bo Schembecker played in a mess of Rose Bowls, right? Back when the Rose Bowl was honestly just about I mean, the next best thing to to winning a title. I mean, from 69 to 89, a span of 30 years, Bo played in, let's see, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten Rose Bowls. They finished in the top ten every year from 1969 to 1978. Then they had a year where they uh, about a two year a, a, str- a year stretch in seventy nine where they ranked eighteenth, then they were fourth, then they were twelfth, then they were unranked, but then they were eighth. They had second, eighth, fourth, seventh, and then Lloyd Carr comes in, or actually next was uh, Gary Moeller, and then Gary Moeller had some good teams, and then Lloyd Carr comes in. He's got some very good teams. So there's never been a stretch where Notre- where Michigan was the dominant program. I don't think there was ever a stretch, in my opinion, even in the 40s, even though I think ESPN had them as the dominant program in the 40s. It's nonsense. Notre Dame was. Total nonsense. But they were always in the top five or six for a long time. And to me, that's kind of like you can be a Hall of Fame quarterback without having ever won a Super Bowl. Right? Just like winning a Super Bowl doesn't make you a Hall of Fame quarterback. Sure. But it requires you to be great for a long period of time. Right? And that's the point. And that's where I think Michigan kind of gets in there. Now, Clemson has had more national titles in the last 50 years than Michigan. Three to one and a half. Or, excuse me, three to a half. Right? But for a long stretch of time, Michigan has still been the better program over the period of time. Agreed. And so, to me, a a blue blood, I do think you need at least a title or two. But you just need a long history of dominance. And, and, And Clemson, to me, just doesn't have that. They've had a couple. They've had a stretch under Dabo, and they had that one year under I think it was Danny Ford won them the high, won the title in eighty one. They don't have a super long history of being that, so I don't view Clemson and 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 um, Oregon as blue, and especially Oregon. I don't think Oregon has ever won a national title. I don't believe. I, let me go check. Maybe like in the like like Minnesota, they won one like in nineteen thirty. Let's see, claimed cl- no no claimed championships for them. The, their all-time record is five. They have a five seventy-four win percentage all time, hmm. right? I mean, they just yeah, Oregon's not even. I mean, they won fourteen conference championships in their history. They're not they're not in discussion. No. Sorry, no, not. they're not in it. Clemson, I think you could at least you can make the argument about yes, because they've been a dominant program over the last fifteen years, 10, 15, mm, 10 years, 10, 10, 10 yeah. years, yeah. Um, and and they have been. I mean, they've been in the conversation for ten years. There's no doubt about that. But does that make you a blue blood? I don't think so. Yeah. Like, I mean, well, I would. What is their winning percentage before the last ten years? I know that's a loaded question and probably something you can't figure out. Who, right Clemson. Away. Yeah. I mean, you can get an idea. I mean, let's see where they're at now, because and, and then you can just look at what Dabo has been the last however many years. Their career all time record is six twenty five. Which okay. is pretty good. Sure. Now, of course, the, the Dabo era has has raised that. Absolutely. I mean, he's got an 805 record right. in, in 15 years as the head football coach. That certainly helps. But so but so I, that's kind of the thing, is he's the outlier, right, Vince? And that's kind of the point you're making is he's right. the outlier that's, all time. That's the point I'm making. Right. Yeah. And and Danny Ford had a great stretch in 10 years, but they weren't very good after that for a long time. And they were never right. really great before that. Like yeah, just they were never like a really dominant, a dominant football team, right? I'm obviously Clemson football record by the years. So I'm very curious to see if they have something like this. But I just I need to see a team that just has some level of dominance. And so they started football in 1902, never did much, never won more than six games, 
First time they won more than six games was in 1928. They won eight three years in a row. Then they weren't good again. And they won nine and 39. First time they were ranked was 12th. Not good again. It went 11 and 0 in 1948. Okay. On the Gator Bowl. It's good. Okay. Then the next year they were four, four and two, <laughs> nine, oh, and one. And then the next seven, two, three, five, seven, 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 eight, nine, six, four, six, five, three, five, six, six, four, four, three, five, four, five, seven, two, three, eight. And it wasn't until 1978 that they had another season where they were really good, where they went 11 and one. Right. Finished sixth. And then eight and four, six and five. And then 81, they won a title. Next two years, they were pretty good. And then they went through about a four-year stretch in the 90s where they won 10 games, and then they were back. So they won 10 games in a row from 87 to 90, and then they didn't win 10 games again until 2011. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, So there, there's been some moments here and there. I mean, that's like 550 yeah. winning percentage, 500. Right. You know what I mean? So that's not yeah. blue blood. I'm sorry. Like, no, it's not. You it's can't not. change your program. Your per, you, you can't change your historic program into a blue blood in a 10-year span. Right. And, and especially that. when there was only really one decade where you were great. Right. Even at least not my definition like, of a blue blood. Right. Because even if you look at the, the period where they won the title in, in 81, right? So if you look at that, let's just go here to 81. They won the title. Uh, so from 78 to 1990, they had six years where they won 10 or more games and won a national title. They also had six years in that stretch where they won. They didn't win double digits and years where they weren't good. They had eight and four, six and five, then nine, one and a couple, nine, one and one, seven and four, six and six and eight, two and two. That's their second best stretch. Is that right there? That's it. So no, they're not a blue blood. Now, if let's say coach Sweeney still wins 10 plus a year, and then they have some other coach that comes in and they're still good into the 2030s. Now we can say, okay, we can at least have a conversation. Have they earned their way into it? Right. Right. But right now they're not, they're not there. Right. They're not there. Would you now there was some discussion in the chat about losing your blue blood status. Okay. Would you yeah, say I think you can? Right. I agree. Yeah. Would Army. you say I was that was gonna be my next question? Would you say an example of that would be like Army Navy, like the service academy? Well, Navy was never like Army. Na- right. Navy never won football. I mean, Army was a like our dominant national title winning football team. Like they were the only team, like if it wasn't for Army. Notre Dame would have a, a lot more national championships. Oh, no doubt 40s, about it. Back right? in the 30s and uh, 40s. Yeah. yeah. Na- Navy's not that. Navy okay. only has one claimed national title. That was in 1966. Okay. Army has three claimed and two unclaimed. And and so, of course, now Army's dominance was during the 40s, but they were good for a stri- – I mean, that was – when you look at when they were in the 40s, they had been pretty good for a, a – a good chunk of the history of college football at right. that time. At that time, exactly. At that time, and they were a blue blood at that time. Correct. At that right. time, yes. Right. And and things were different back then, obviously, but they have not been that for a long time, a very long time. And so, yeah, I mean, they're they're like if you look at the so so the coach Charles D- Daly is the guy that won all those titles in the in the and he like excuse me let me let me repeat that um, Earl. Blake is the guy that won those titles and he had a 768 win percentage. He won the three titles, right? But they had another coach in the thirties that went 35, 11 and one, a coach in the thirties and that went 25, five and one. They had a coach in the twenties that went 38 and one, a coach in the twenties that went 18, five and three. They had another coach in the teens around the Newt Rockney era, like not, not Newt Rockney as a player and then coach era that went 58, 13 and one. They had a coach in the 1900s that went 15-5-1 and one, and another guy. Went, I mean, it's like there's a lot of years where Nate Army was really good in football. Yep. Right? They haven't been for 60 years. I mean, and they, they not only they have not been good, they've just not been good at football for a long time. So it's not even like they haven't won a title. Right. It's not the title drought that bothers me. It's that Army just hasn't been good at football sure. for a very long time. Right, exactly. So, you know, I just listed you all those coaches that have been good. The only other – so since 1974 – they hired Homer Smith as their coach. Since then, they have had one coach prior to their present coach who had a, a winning percentage in the 500s. That was Jim Young from 83 to 90, who had a 566 win percentage. Their coaches after that, so so actually let's go from uh, the guy that's 73, 391, 227, 333. These are win percentages, 566, 
445, 122, mm. and a guy that went 0 and 6 as an interim guy in 03, 265, 250, 328, and then their current coach is getting him back and he's 566. Right? So a program that was consistently in the six, seven, eight hundreds is now in the threes and four hundreds. Right, exactly. Right. For, for longer than I've been alive. Right. Right. You've lost your blue blood status. But it, it has to be a long period of and there has Agreed. to be some some sort of systemic change. And that's the other thing with Army is Army football can't recruit the way it did in the 40s. Correct. Like Army guys, guys are going to West Point to learn to be officers where guys that were otherwise going to Notre Dame and Ohio State were being drafted in to go fight in the front lines, right? right? Like, I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying it was a difference. So, of course, Army had that dominance during the war and then right after the war. Of course they did. And so they they, uh, they had it. So, like, there's, like, Miami's a program that people want to point to as a blue blood. They're not. They they weren't even anything until the 80s. Correct. And then they had a brief stretch. They had a brief stretch in 2000, then, 2001 or whatever. Well, they well, right. had the 80s stretch. The late right. 80s, well, yeah, right. Stretch. I mean, in addition to. And then you had that other two-year stretch, and then, and right. then they've been nothing. So Miami's right. not. So, so who are the blue bloods to me, Vince? Obviously, Notre Dame's a blue blood. Correct. If you look at the Big Ten, I think there's only two blue bloods in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Ohio State and, and it's Michigan. It's Ohio State and Michigan. I don't view Penn State as a blue blood. I don't, I don't either. They had some periods where they were really good under Joe Paterno. They also were a team that notoriously played weak schedules. And it, it's not a coincidence that they've they've not been a, they've not won a title since they joined the Big Ten. Because when you're forced to play consistently every single year a tough schedule and you become a regional program, that that's kind of who you are. So ACC, I, I don't. I don't really view any of those schools as being blue bloods Agreed. in football. I would argue that Florida State would probably have the best claim because they had such a long period of dominance under Bobby Bowden. I mean, they were dominant in the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s, and they won a title in 2010s. That's 40 years. But outside of Bowden, they, you know, they, they had that one Jimbo year. But outside of that, Vince, they haven't been that good. So I don't know that I'd put anybody in the ACC in that conversation for me. Okay. So anybody in the in the ACC you'd want to pound the table no, for? I mean, Clemson would be the only person that I – you know, the only team Clemson that I would even say, yeah. have a conversation about. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's – The Big yeah. 12, Oklahoma is a blue blood to me. Okay. Texas is a blue blood to me. Now, Texas is somewhat – debate. people could debate that, but Texas is, has been dominant for a long – I mean, they, they were dominant for a long period of time. Sure. Now they weren't. They weren't quite. I think what Texas football fans think that they were. Mm-hmm. They are still a great pro. They have a seven hundred. They have nine hundred thirty six career wins. They have a seven hundred one career win percentage. They have four claim titles. Uh, they had three. They had a stretch in the sixties where they uh, won three, and from sixty three to seventy, they have five unclaimed titles, and of course they won the 05 one. So. Uh, to me, thirty-two conference championships. I think they're a. I think they're a blue blood. To me, okay. Oklahoma and Tech. Because and Oklahoma's had they were they had the stretch in the fifties. I remember Bud sure. Wilkinson. They had the stretch under Barry Switzer where they were a title team, and then of course Bob Stoops and Lincoln Riley has made them that. So I, I think Oklahoma and Texas are the are the blue bloods there in the Big Twelve. Um, Big Ten. Here's a team we forgot to talk about in the Big Ten. Nebraska. Now, to me. A lot of people are going to disagree with this, especially younger people. But I, I do consider Nebraska blue blood. Hmm. I do. I don't think they've lost it yet. You're talking about a team that's got five claimed titles that span two different decades. They have over 100, 900 career, you know, career wins in the program. They have 46 conference championships, and they have five unclaimed national titles. Now, you could argue, say, well, a lot of their dominance came in the 90s. And I would say there's some truth to that. But they also had some great years under Bob Devaney as well. And, and Bob Devaney won a couple titles as well. So they had two great periods, but they've had a lot of good football in between. I think you could debate that Nebraska's, whether they are or not. But if you go back and look at Nebraska from like when they started playing football in like the 1800s, they were a pretty good football team for a long time, a really long time. And, of course, they were great in the Big 8 and then, then in the Big 12. So – I you know, they won conference championships in the 1910s, the 1920s, the 1930s, the 1940s, the 1960s, the 1970s, the 1980s, the 1990s. 
So, you know, Did they really, they yeah. won that many championships. I didn't know that conference championships. Conference. Okay. Conference, conference championships. championships. Yeah. So they're consistently good. They, they have a 681 win percentage. Yeah. Based on and a lot of that's because of recent. Oh, for sure. They, they, you know, now so can they, they could they potentially a, be a team in 10 to 20 years if they continue to just be bad that you could say, you know what? Yeah. They've kind of lost their blue blood status because right, things right, have right, changed. Right. But right now I still put them there. I would, I would say, and this is a very broad stroke, but pretty much anybody with over a 700 win percentage, you're automatic. You're pretty much automatic. I mean, that's in. you're in the conversation. Much. Like that's pretty much. You know, I would have a hard time saying no to a lot of those types of teams because yeah. you're talking Ohio State, Alabama, Michigan, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Texas. That's it, right? That's it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So the old, see outside of that group. I would. I mean, we're we're going by conference, so I don't want to jump the gun. So right now, it's okay. We 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 did the Big Twelve, the Pack the Big Twelve. Okay. Um, Pack Twelve. I would say there's only one blue blood in the Pack USC. Twelve, in my opinion. It's USC. USC. Because yeah. they got a bunch Washington of titles. Is, yeah. They got a bunch of titles. They've been competitive. I mean, they're in you know, decades of dominance. Correct. I mean, correct. and they're from, they're six ninety six yeah. by the way in win yeah. percentage. So I mean, <laughs> I mean, and honestly, right you kind of got to give USC partial credit for Alabama some of Alabama's titles. If we're being honest, so because let's be real about this, right? The SEC was really really slow to segregate football, and it wasn't until Alabama just got dominated by USC, who had big time segregated, like the, this the the way that the South viewed. Black people was a little different than the way people in California did in the fifties and sixties. Let's be real about that, it's, right? It's a fact. And and so USC integrated way before Bama, and that was sort of the cat making a very complicated story very condensed, right? Sure. But it was it was that was the catalyst that Bear Bryant used to say, "Hey, we need to we need to integrate." And then, of course, when they did, then Alabama got a whole lot better, right? Right. So, um, I mean, USC changed the game in a lot of ways. I mean, they had they had teams that kind of you had to change how you played because of how USC was building winners. Sure, right. And and let's be honest about something else. Notre Dame would have at least six or seven more national titles if not for USC. Oh and Eric yeah. Parsons would have two by himself. Just two. I can think of with Arrow just by himself, if not three, where they would win a title if it wasn't for USC. So you're talking about a team, Vince, as you said, their their all time record is seven oh two. Mm-hmm. They've got 11 claimed titles. You have one in the 20s, three in the 30s, two in the 60s, three in the 70s, and then two in the 2000s. Yep. So you have several different decades yep. that you were a team that that was a 39 conference house. I mean, there's no debate. USC is, to me, without question. Agreed. Fits all yep. the hallmarks of a. Yep, a, a blue blood program. Absolutely. No, nobody else in the in, Which, to me in the Pac-12 is. By the way, is also what makes the Notre Dame USC rivalry so freaking yes. good. Okay, because yes. they're just it's always a game, man. Right. I mean, it's, it's just, what makes that rivalry yeah. good, and it's what makes the Ohio State Michigan rivalry sure. good. Because Absolutely. to me, I would argue, and then Texas Oklahoma, I would argue those are the only three rivalries that are between true blue bloods. Yeah, Alabama Auburn is not a blue blood rivalry. It's not. Auburn's not a blue blood. Uh, Alabama Tennessee is not a blue blood rivalry because I don't think Tennessee's a blue blood. I think Tennessee's a team that you could make a case for. I think uh, we even even the LSU guy in the chat um, is saying LSU's not a blue blood because they're not. I mean LSU's right. a good program. It, every program has history, sure, but it, there's one thing about history, and they're just having just decades of dominance. And so to me. You know, Tennessee has claimed titles in the four thirty, a third one in the thirty, one in the in nineteen forty, two in the fifties, one in the sixties, and then one in the nineties. Okay, that they ha- they are in the conversation for me. Tennessee is Tennessee has a better win percentage than Georgia and has way more championships in Georgia. Yep. Tennessee would be in the conversation before Georgia would for me. Yeah, no, I get that. Right. Yeah, because I I look at history not the last five years. Right. And so, um, yeah. Uh, that that would be the other SEC team to me that would be in the conversation. No other Pac-12 teams for me would be in events. No, no. SEC wise, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, A and M's not a blue blood. No, they think no, they are, but they're not. No, 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 no. Florida's no. not. We already Florida talked about that. Think they are. Georgia to me is a team that if they if over the next ten to fifteen years can be sort of what Bama was 
Like if if what we see now is the beginning of Georgia going through a 15 year stretch like Bama does, I think that's good enough to kind of launch them into okay. blue blood stats. But okay. they're not now. They're not right. now. Right. They're just not. They'd have to sustain it for a long time. Just winning back to back, that's great and everything. But sure. you can't tell me that Georgia's in it now because they're back to back titles. But then in the same breath, tell me Nebraska's not in it. I mean, they they have almost a hundred less wins than Alabama. You know what I mean? Yeah. Overall, I mean, and they've played almost the exact same amount of games. Yeah. Actually, Georgia's played more. Georgia's yeah. played 1,350 games, if, if the list I'm looking at is accurate, and Alabama's played 1,331. Yeah. And Alabama has almost 100 more wins. And somebody said, would would LSU be a blue blood if Saban stayed? No, because they won two titles without Saban. Right. So, I mean, it's not like LSU won that title in 04 and then sucked the next 20 years. I mean, they've got two titles since Saban. It's it's – yeah, but 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 no team has launched into the blue blood status recently, Vince. Alabama was already there. I was making a point that if Bama wasn't a blue blood, if they were like right. Tennessee and Georgia, and then go through the stretch where they have six titles in like a fourteen year period, that's so good that it launches you into that, right? I mean, to me, it, it just it does. Um, but no others are. Th- those are the blue bloods to me. It's not a very big list. It's really not. Yeah, I agree. It's not a very big list. And it shouldn't. Yeah. It's it's kind of like it. It shouldn't, because then if you start putting everybody in there that's had a couple good stretches, then it's okay. The word loses all meaning. Exactly. Look at Boise State in there then. Why not? They had a 10-year period where they were phenomenal. I mean, let, right. like, what are we doing, right? So right. it's got to be over a long period of time. So, yeah. So what do we say, Vince? Texas and Oklahoma, mm-hmm. Michigan, Ohio State, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Alabama. Is is mm-hmm. Alabama the only SEC school that we consider a blue blood in football? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Georgia's not. Florida's not. Tennessee's not. LSU's not. Because win percentage I, wise, you went down to Nebraska, and the only teams that are above Nebraska that are win per, like win percentage wise that we did not put in that conversation was Penn State. Yeah, that's it. It's just Penn, Penn State. State would probably have a, a a good argument, but again, I just they didn't dominate the way they needed to. I don't. It's not their independent status that bothers me because Notre Dame's been an independent the whole time. It's <laughs> that for so long they played just a weak regional schedule, sure, and just beat it up, and they won two titles in a very short period of time, and that's it. You know where Notre Dame is an independent true. won titles in the '30s and the '40s and the '60s and the '70s and the '80s. You know, there's five different decades that Notre Dame was a title team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So. Really fun way to start this one off. So yeah, no we, kidding. We, get we spent like half our uh, mailbag yeah. time on that get, question, get which is great. All right. We got, a, uh, we got a super chat from Rob. Always good to have you in, Rob. Thank you very much. I know they have talent. And the biggest thing is the upgraded quarterback. But my biggest question is, will they have that killer mentality? Put teams away early. Have a classy bully attitude like under Holtz. Yeah. That's, well, we'll find out. I, I don't know. a physical football team. We don't know the answer to that, right? I mean, that's one of the things we're going to have to find out by watching this team play. Yeah. So Somebody just said my Boise State comment was hyperbole. Like, yeah, I thought that was clear. <laughs> I thought my point was like, well, if you're just going to do over one stretch, then why not put Boise State in? It was kind of the whole point of the comment was to show the absurdity of right, it. Right, right. Like, it's got to be a long period of time. So... Sometimes I think I'm pretty clear with my sarcasm. I mean, I'm usually, not. except when you're making fun of me, I never know if you're actually right or not, or if yeah. you're not right, but like being serious. I never make fun. I, well, I guess I do so. All in good fun. <laughs> you do the same for me. Remember the fiasco from yesterday's show yes, and your little too. comment beforehand? <laughs> you're not going to live that one down for me. No. All right. M-, M. Sleep says, is there anyone who has the pedigree as Bayless, and would be able to keep the strength and conditioning on a similar level. Who is the first guy on the list? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I haven't had a chance to process this one. Yeah, we went there. straight from the announcement to five minutes later being on a show. So yeah. unless you've got a list of strength and conditioning coaches in your back pocket, I don't have that answer off the top of my head. Yeah. I, I just – I don't. Yeah. So, that again, I, I said this before, M, uh, when we were talking about this at the top of the show – the, the silver lining to this situation is they don't have to make a move anytime soon. They've got all like Marcus Freeman has all season to kind of figure this out, talk to the right people, yeah. do the research. He's got plenty of time. Like this he, decision does he not have to be made. That yeah. 
is great. And he's like, you know, if that opportunity ever comes up, would love to work. Sure. With you. He right. And that. I don't know the answer to that. And just, the, in, the, the quick Intel we had was that this was not a surprise to Marcus Freeman. So yeah, it may well, have already, been- I, don't, I don't know about Marcus Freeman. I just like, I don't I want to make sure I'm clear. Okay. Notre, people at Notre Dame. Okay. I don't Fair know enough. specifically that it was Marcus Freeman. I, I don't want to, again, I don't Fair want to speak enough. out of turn. I, I I do believe it's safe to say that people at Notre Dame, or <clears throat> I don't want to definitely say Marcus Freeman. Like specifically, aware. got you. Correct. I don't want to, I want to be clear on that. Yeah, because okay. we don't know. We don't know. That's, that's fair. Right. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From Levi Perez, thoughts on Harbaugh's four-game suspension for taking recruits to get burgers. Okay, first of all, there's no way it was that simple. Well, it's not that he did that. It was the lying about it. There you that go. That was the problem, right? It's what they always say, right? Like, the, the cover-up is always worse than the crime. Like Richard Nixon didn't get impeached for the Watergate break-in. He got impeached because of the cover-up that happened after the Watergate break-in. Right. That's the that's that's the reality of it. Right. So um, I think it's, I mean, I think it's kind of petty. I mean, you know, I don't know. Here's the thing. We said the other day that you're, you, there's got to be some level of punishment when it's a coach does something wrong and he's still at the school that he's at. Right. I mean, so if we're going to be consistent, we got to say, look, he broke a clear rule. Okay. When they called him on it, he lied about it. Right. Instead of just saying, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't. And what I mean, if you're going to lie, lie and be like, wait a minute, that's not allowed. Like I thought I was in good place. I, I thought that was okay. You know, sure. I did, I got it on my school card. I thought we were okay. It was, you know, whatever. And you kind of play dumb. Absolutely. Right? And then they give you a little slap on the wrist and, mm-hmm. you know, they, they, they take away a couple of valuation days for the head coach and which you weren't going to use anyway. And it, you <laughs> move on. Exactly. But then the, when you lie about it, it's like, well, well, now we got to hammer you, you big idiot. If you just would have told us what's going on, then <laughs> we could just be up on the rest and moved on. But now you got to lie about it. Now we got to do right. something about it. <clears throat> exactly. You know, and, exactly. and um, but look, guys, he's you being can do my job at school. The, yeah. Well, he's yeah, that's the thing. Yes. The East Carolina, Correct. UNLV, Bowling uh-huh. Green, and Rutgers games. Great. Fine. Right. I mean, and they're all home know, games. Every like one of those. Meyer got suspended. <laughs> I guess that's my other problem is he's getting four games for lying about cheeseburgers when Urban Meyer only got three for all that crap that went on with like Zach Smith and all that other stuff. Like really, really, this is worse than what that, what was going on with Urban Meyer in 19 who only got three games. Okay. Whatever you say, you know, it's the NCAA. So you're welcome to the NCAA. Yeah. It's silly, but you know, but, and they had to play Ohio. They had to play TCU that year. You know, in, in Oregon State, without yeah, this Urban Meyer. Not that Michigan's schedule isn't a joke already, but their first yeah. four games are a joke. Like, yes, they are. Okay, yes. I mean, yeah, Ohio State had to play Florida Atlantic, who uh, I wasn't wasn't their coach Lane Kiffin. Let me let me look this up. Real well, he was at Florida be Atlantic before. Yeah, he Lane was Kiffin was their Ole football Miss. coach in nineteen. So in twenty nineteen, Ohio State had to play Florida Atlantic with Lane Kiffin. Who that year went eleven and three? Chuck okay. Weiss Jr. was his offensive coordinator. Was he really? Yeah. So it was. <laughs> yeah, that you're, you're. I'm looking at it now. You are correct. So they they be, had to beat an eleven and three Florida Atlantic team. They had to beat Cincinnati because it was nineteen that that Urban got. No, no, nineteen was Day's first year. It was eighteen that he got suspended. Excuse me. So they had to play Oregon State, Rutgers, and TCU that year. And 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 TCU was coming off an eleven and three season. That's who they had to play. It was eighteen that they that they had to go without him. I kept nineteen. Nineteen was Day's first full year as head coach. So I apologies. It was it was then. So yeah, I mean, and you're playing East Carolina, who's actually a good you know power group of five team last year. They were better than I thought when I was looking at her. I was like, oh, they're stunk. What screwed group? But UNLV stinks. Bowling Green stinks. 
and Rutgers isn't very good. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I I just whatever. It's kind of <laughs> silly, but yeah, it's just like when it's something that dumb. If you're gonna right. lie, exactly, play dumb. Mm-hmm. Don't deny something that there's a very clear. Like, did you not think they were gonna look at your credit cards? Like seriously, like this that's just so dumb. Like just lie lie and say, man, I, I didn't I had no idea it was wrong. I'm sorry. That's my bad. It'll never happen again. Okay, I'll lose some evaluation days. I'll lose this, this, this. Okay, cool. There's a time to fall on your sword and just yeah. take it. Yes. You know. Yes. But so there's a dumb. there's a there's an amount of hubris involved when you're just like, no, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, yeah. that that's that's what it looks like to me. Here's something I'm interested in. Who's going to be the interim coach during that? This, like, I'm curious if it's going to be Sharon Moore. Because if it's Sharon Moore, this could be a great resume builder for him. For Northwestern? Well, I don't know about Northwestern. I mean, no, it's a rumor, <laughs> but like, that's, you know, the, the rumors for just those in things general. are just people in the media <clears throat> say, yeah, well, this is who true. I like. And so I'm going to say this person's a candidate. Well, of course he's a candidate. I mean, any, every coach in the country is a candidate. <laughs> but if, if Sharon Moore has aspirations of being a head football coach, say, hey, look, he he had to get us through this storm mm-hmm. where a head coach is suspended. And we went out there and we just steamrolled these four teams. Guess what? Sharon Moore's resume, it's going to say Forno is a head coach at Michigan, interim head coach at Michigan. Sure. Not a lot of other guys who haven't coached head coaches before are going to have that on the resume, events. You know what I mean? Is, he, is it just the games he's not allowed to go to or is he like That's banned be from the question. That, that I don't know. Okay, I was just curious how yeah, that worked. That okay. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm, I mean, again, that was another thing that broke right before we start the show, oh, that's and then true. as soon as I'm about to start looking into to to Jim Harbaugh's thing, the Matt, ba- I get a text from somebody saying, "Hey, you know, it's from a parent saying, hey, Matt Bayless, you know, is leaving," and I'm like, "No, he's not. Come on now, get out of here." <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. Very, very interesting. There, there was, there were some, um, I mean, it was a, a, the suspension was sort of like a negotiated suspension, I guess, from what I read. Okay. I, I don't, again, I, I haven't seen anything in this article here. He could not be present in the facility where the contests are played and have no contact or communication with football coaching staff members or student athletes during the suspension period. Oh, wow. So for a so month, he's gone. that would most likely mean he's not with the team. Right. Um, means suspended coach such as Harbaugh would be able to coach practice. Okay, hold on. According to the NCAA, which gave a general interpretation of the rules as is, as it cannot comment specifically on Harbaugh or any ongoing investigation, this means that a suspended coach such as Harbaugh would be able to coach during practice no. during the week during the four game suspension, but could not be in the stadium or have any contact on game days. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's 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 the you can't have any student athletes during the suspension period, I guess, on the day of the contest. So 12 a.m. on the day of each contest and ends at 1159 on those days, which basically means if they go into overtime and, you know, and, and, and on, <laughs> on a Sunday night game, you know, Jim Harbaugh <laughs> sprinting out of the locker room at 1201. <laughs> Suspension's over. We're going for two. You know, I mean, like, you know, he would do that coming out there with the khakis oh. on. Yeah, you know, he would. You Dude, know would. that would be freaking hilarious that he did that ever. That would be great. Yeah, yeah. It, the hey, the Bowling Green game is at seven thirty. If they go to OT with Bowling Green, okay. It's, yeah, that's that's a good point. It's a good point. <laughs> the rest of the games are like noon or three. It's a really problem. But... It's a big problem. <laughs> Very big problem. Here I come. Yeah. I got the yeah. perfect play call yeah. for Bowling Green. I mean, but Harbaugh would do Sorry. it. Sorry, you know I have the worst, like image in my head. Harbaugh sprinting out of the locker room. Oh yeah. gosh, that would be fantastic. He'd be high knee in it. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's going down a. Re- Let's not go. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's my. Any thoughts? Other thoughts on that event you want to bring up before we no. move on? No, for the love of all, no. Okay, PK with added TV and gear contracts. Will Marcus have leverage with the new? AD cooperation to increase staff salaries and perhaps professional nutrition program. Heck, heck to the yes. Yeah, of course. I mean, look, let's just say Notre Dame only gets a $50 million TV deal and only gets 
15 million a year in, in, in revenue for the merchandise, which isn't even like, doesn't even reset the market. Mm-hmm. So that's six additional million that they're making per year, just on the, the, the revenue. And you're talking about if they get a $50 million deal, that means their new deal is worth 60 because they have the 10 million from the right. ACC contract right now. They're at 36 million or t- excuse me, 26. 26. Million. Yeah. So you're talking about 34 million for the TV and that's at the low end of what we're hearing. The yeah. very low end, actually a little lower. Cause I've heard 55 to 70 is what I've heard. So if it's at, even at 50, a little on the low end, 34 plus six vents, 40 million bucks a year. Right. Okay. And two four seven just put something out today showing that Notre Dame is the third third most expensive game to attend uh, in the country. So if I'm Marcus Freeman, uh, yeah, we'd, mm-hmm. we look. Yes, we we better flip and get a cut of that. There's no doubt we better get a cut of that. Sure, hundred percent reinvested into the programs that that brought it to you. Like Correct. that's absolutely what they should do. And I'm not saying that they won't do that. But that's absolutely what should happen because we we've talked about this in the past. You know, the support staff and the nutritionists and all all of the they have a nutritionist. She's on staff. I've seen her. You know, but she needs resources. That the girl that and she does needs like the cooking and stuff with them, which is yeah. pretty awesome yep. by the way. Yeah, no, she and she oh, does a really good job that. from what I can gather. But she yeah. she needs you know uh, assistance and she needs you know all of these different things right. and they need analysts and they need you know they need a facility that's specifically they... for them to do that correct absolutely that correct like yes here's the other thing though Vince <clears throat> a lot of your leverage d- comes from are you winning right, because your sure. leverage has to be I'm for walking sure. your yep. your leverage has to be if you don't really support football here why am I here right you just exactly. got a forty million dollar a year increase. You've got a, you know, how many billion dollar endowment, which again, you don't tap into that endowment for football. The the endowment is evidence that this school has no issue raising money, right? There's no excuse between what we, we just got you a $40 million deal, a $40 million per year bump, right? Which we don't get if we're not winning football games the last 10 years, right? Let's be honest about that. And you're in a situation where, I know we can go raise money to do all these projects if we needed them already anyway. So don't tell me that all that 40 million is already going to all this. Right. If even if you just split it with us halves, sure. give half to the school and half uh, you know, half to the school and other sports programs and then half to us, that's fine. That's still an extra 20 million dollars that you're right. getting. 20 million a go, year. Yes. A yes. year. Yes. <laughs> you, you, know? you should at least be able to get that. Yes. But if you're eight and four again, then you lose some of that leverage. Right. Right, you're ten and two plus, yeah, and you're signing big time classes, yeah. You've got some leverage. I could because do, now uh, you walking is like. Could you imagine if like Marcus Freeman was like, "I'm out," and why are you leaving, Coach? This place isn't serious about competing. We just got to forty million dollar increase, and they gave us three extra million dollars in in our in our budget. This, this place isn't serious. This isn't this place isn't serious about winning, and I want to be somewhere where we're serious about winning. Right. Like that's the leverage you have. Where if an eight and four coach does that, you're like, bye. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Coach that's winning does that? Okay. This sure. would be the second coach in a row that left and blamed it on, you're not serious about winning. Good luck finding his replacement at that point in time. That's true. You just got a 40 – Brian Kelly – they could have said with Brian Kelly, look, we didn't have the money to do that. We didn't. We had to go through the COVID year. We were only making 26 a year on TV. We were making $9 million a year on, our, on, our, on this. We couldn't afford to put a lot more. You can't say that now. You got forty extra million dollars now. Can't can't right. use that excuse. Can't. I could do a pretty nice renovation on the Goog for twenty million, dude. You could yes, you could raise that <laughs> on top of you say we're going to take X amount out of this now to put towards it. We're going to raise the right. rest. Whatever. It'd be that would be no problem. Right. So yes, th- 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 there's there's a lot of there's going to be a lot of pressure on Notre Dame to say hey you got the money now. Right. Go out and invest in your sports programs even more. And it begins with the team that is the primary reason for that why you got, you got that money, money in the first place. They're not getting that contract for basketball, right. Right. soccer, lacrosse, fencing, any of those other sports. But like you said, I have no problem with them taking some of that money and 100%. putting it towards the other sports. And they should. That's what you do. Like yes. that's the whole point of your money making right. sports is you delineate to the rest of the sports. No problem with that whatsoever. What bothers me is that Notre Dame takes sports money. And puts it towards the 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 other side of the non sports things. Sure. You're charging kids seventy thousand freaking dollars a year. 
You right. shouldn't need to be taken from the football program. You have an 18 to 19, 20 billion dollar endowment. You shouldn't be taken from the football program. Right. Absolutely. That money should I'm okay with some of it, but more of that money needs to start going to the sports teams, Vince, in my opinion. Sure. Right? Sure. And 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 to your point, yes, some of that should go to those other sports programs, in my opinion. But a big chunk of it needs to go to the football program, who is the reason you got that money anyway. And yeah, if Marcus look, if Marcus Freeman goes out there and wins this year and does it impressively, like you know, even if they're mm-hmm. ten and two, but they're Two losses or close losses. If they're 10 and two, they're going to have one huge win this year, at least. Right. Right. And as long as your losses are good and you go to the Fiesta Bowl or one of the non playoff games and you win, you've got all the leverage in the world, man. And I hope yeah. the coach Freeman starts to use it a little bit more. But right now, you're nine and four and you're a first year coach. Right. You only have right. but so much leverage. Yep. Like, hey, man, there's a lot of people who want your job and you haven't proven yourself. Well, you go out there and go 11 and two this year. Sign the second big time recruiting class, which as long as they keep everybody in the class and get Gary B. Lambert, they will do. All of a sudden, you've got a whole lot of leverage over mm-hmm. the new AD. Yeah. And hey, buddy, I hate to break it to you, but uh, the previous AD might have been a guy that had a bigger name than me. You don't. <laughs> you know what I mean? Not that he would ever do that. Marcus is not the kind of guy, but I, that's what that's the sure. moral of what I would have him do sure. if I was his agent. Is like, look, now's the time, dude. Everything yes. you say you want there because there's nothing this AD could do. To, to gain immediate love and favor from Notre Dame fans than to publicly make a giant commitment to the football program and Correct. then back it up. Yep. You know, because like Ohio State released that thing this summer. Hey, all of our coaches are getting a pay raise, and now we have X number of coaches making a million dollars. It's like, wow, look, Ohio State's serious about, you know, committing to their coaches. Well, then Notre Dame does stuff like that, and then they don't say anything about it because they're a private school. Ohio State announces it for two reasons. One is that it's smart PR, and two is people are going to find out anyway because they're a public school. You can just put a FOIA request in, and you can find out. It's a public school. They can't hide how much their coaches are being paid from the school. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other ways they can hide it. Well, you're only we're only paying you 500000 from the school. We're paying you this amount from our booster program. You know, So you can somewhat hide it, but, right. but Ohio State was smart. Like People are going to find out anyway, so why not just get it out there and, and get a big PR hit or big PR boost? Notre Dame doesn't do enough of that kind of stuff, which is kind Agreed. of annoying. Yeah, it is very but, annoying. Uh, yeah, it's um, – I would love to see them do that. Levi Perez, what are you most looking forward to seeing in this camp, whether it be a position coach, a position group, et cetera? Well, we kind of talked about some of that stuff, Levi. Let's pick – Vince, I want to – let's ask it this way. What is the one position coach you're most looking forward to seeing this spring or this fall camp? And then what's the position group? So if I said to you, Vince – at this next practice we're going to, mm-hmm. you can only you can only watch one position group, and I'm going to sign everybody. But Ooh. since you're the OG, you get to pick the position group you get to watch. What would it be? Yeah, wide receivers is the okay. group. Mm-hmm. Wide receivers is the group. It's not the coach. Yeah, yeah that, it is. That's it, why, but it two is part. Two yep, parts. It is the group. The group. Wide receiver. I would. I would. I would. Uh, I would lobby for wide receivers for sure. Okay. And then who would be the who would be the um, the coach that you would want to watch? Joe Rudolph. I, I just yeah. want to see him kind of doing his thing. I get that. Yeah. And I would I, I would pick receivers like the first day. You know what I mean? I would want to see Joe maybe a couple of days in um, when maybe they're able to hit a little bit or maybe they got their uppers on or, you know, something along those mm-hmm. lines. Um, but, yeah, that's, that's the coach I would want to see for sure. Yep. All right. Let's get to this one from Andrew Gilmore. All right, Andrew, don't we need to give some guys some reps at tackle? Uh, we could be in the position of replacing both of them next year. No, you don't force that. I mean, it, it's going to be the same as any other backup position. If you're in a right. game where that you're in a bit of a blowout, what I consider, you know, like let's say in a game you're gonna you're you're beating a team thirty eight to three at halftime, and you're like, hey Joe, we're gonna get you this one series, and we're gonna pull you out and put Tosh in, in the second offensive series. He's gonna be in there with uh, the first team offensive line. Okay, fine if you want to do something like that. But no, I mean it's. It's blowout moments. I'm not. I'm not in the middle of the second quarter going to get Tosh Baker in there, Emil Wagner, just cause. No, you know what I mean. They so, get the reps in practice. Yeah. I mean, that's that's how backups get your reps. I mean, you get your yeah. reps in practice, and right. that's that's just how it right. goes. And I'm not saying that you're ignoring the. You know, you're not ignoring the, the fact that those guys it. are there. People don't put enough emphasis on the fact that these kids aren't just standing around Monday to Friday not doing anything. Right. The, the greatest opportunity to learn for a young player or a backup is in practice. Right. Not in a, you know, in, in a, in a mop-up minute on the football field. 
those are valuable, but not the expense of getting good practice reps. Right. That's where you're developing. Tosh Baker, if he only plays 10, like we say, Billy Stroud took zero snaps last year. Well, that's true of the games. Right. But Billy Stroud wasn't just hanging out all year eating Cheetos, right? I mean, right. he was he took a in bunch practice. of reps in practice. Absolutely. Right. Whether it was scout team or some with the, you know, whatever, he was playing football all year last year. Right. Exactly. And that's where he developed. And that's what allowed him to go out and have a good spring. Right. Is, is that work? Archer, our, our guy, Archer, who would you give the coaching advantage to in the Ohio State game? Parker versus Knowles, Hartline and Day versus Golden and Freeman. I mean, we'll see. I mean, your your, your coaching matchup is only as good as your player Players. matchup. Yeah, that's true. You know, we'll find out. We'll find out. I, I think there's a lot more to it than that. It's never Parker and Knowles only. If you're going to talk about Knowles and you got to talk about, okay, well, who do I have more faith in? Dylan McCullough and Chancey Stuckey or your yeah. DB coaches or whatever the case may be. It's never just that. Who do I have mm-hmm. more faith in? Joe Rudolph or Larry Johnson? It, it, it right. That's a very way too narrow way of doing it. And if I were to say right now, if I only had to pick it this way, I'd give the advantage to Knowles because he's done it before. Parker has never. And I would give the advantage on the other side of the ball to Golden for two reasons. I just watched Al Golden put together a great defensive game plan and execution against Ohio State last year and held Ohio State 21 points. True. Right? Yeah. And and so and now now he's going to be going against Brian Hartline. Sure. And and he's got a whole year under his belt. Sure, I'll give Notre Dame the advantage because it's the guy that's done it against the guy that hasn't. It's an easy one. It's an easy one. And you say and day. Well, you're the only reason he's putting and day and Ann Freeman in there is because he knows the answer if it's just Heartline and Golden. <laughs> right. 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 And so uh, but it's no, it's, it's it's still golden. Because it, it, unless I mean, you're gonna tell me that Ryan Day is gonna not be involved in the offense. Okay, of course he is, but he's still not the play caller and offensive coordinator anymore. He's still gonna be involved. Right. But Marcus Freeman shouldn't be in this conversation because Marcus Freeman won't be in, as involved with the defense as Ryan Day is with the offense. So I don't, uh, I don't, Marcus Freeman's made it very clear he, he wants to be the head coach. Correct. We're going to find out what, what Ryan Day does. Is he going to be just the head coach or is right. he going to still be, you know, is he going to be a tr- like Marcus Freeman or is he going to be like Brian Kelly? And I don't mean that as a knock. I mean, that's the side of the but ball. That, Brian but those Kelly, are just different right. ways to approach it. I Correct. Mean, yeah. Correct. Even when Mark Brian Kelly gave up play calling duties, he was still very involved in the offense. Right. And, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. I'm just saying that's how it can, you know, Nick Saban is still very heavily involved with the defense. Now he also is heavily involved with the offense too, because that's who Nick Saban is. Sure. But especially early on, I mean, he, like when Nick Saban's had OCs, he really liked like Steve Sarkeesian for whatever, he loves Steve Sarkeesian. He just kind of let him do his thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so he could, he, but he's always involved in the defense. I don't care if it's Kirby smart or who it is. Right. He's always going to be, I mean, he was basically Kirby smarts corners coach for a chunk of his career in Alabama. Yeah. Cause he still coached the corners. Yep. So um, it's a little bit of a different deal with Freeman. He won't, he won't be that. He won't be that. You had a super chat down here, Vince. Woo. A big one from Calabrese. Thank you very, very much. The vibe of this season is different. Something we haven't felt since Weiss's first two years. Thanks, IB, for getting us through the offseason. No relation, by the way, which is a question I had in my head. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, thank you very much. That's, a, that's, that's massive. And I agree wholeheartedly that the vibe is different this offseason going into fall camp. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel real good about where things are. I mean, I'm yeah. trying to temper the excitement, but I, I'm excited. I mean, I, I am very excited about it. Yeah. Same. I, I mean, I, I'm excited about this team. I, I feel like there's not as much excitement from a big chunk of the fan base. Maybe it's just who we particularly engage in. But Maybe. Uh, I, yeah. I just think the off off season has just been a little bit, you know, just that way. It's kind of sucked it out of it. And this this Matt Bayless stuff doesn't help a whole lot. But I'm I'm excited about this team. And and honestly, I, I don't know that. I'd say the year that I the the two years that I probably had the most excitement about a team trying to think probably oh six okay was the one year where i I just and 11 i thought that 2011 team was going to be really good just because you know the way they finished the year before they dominated utah they destroyed miami you know dane's coming back off injury you got floyd harrison smith you got this great freshman class with aaron lynch and stefan to it and ishak williams coming in and 
you know, and that team was going to be good and, and, and the schedule sets up perfectly. And, you know, this is the year they're going to be really good. And then <laughs> they lose to South Florida in the opener. Yeah. And it just was like, wow, such a weird okay. game. But the 06 year I was excited about too, because your excitement a lot of times comes from what you were the year before. Like I wasn't sure. super oh, excited yeah. about the 05 team. It was an unknown to me. I didn't, I didn't know what the 05 team was going to be. I was hopeful. Yeah. I didn't know what they were going to be. And they went out and they were fun to watch. What's funny is, is, is people say, well, the 05 team was way better than the 06 team. They were, but the 06 team had a better record. <laughs> you know, they just, they, the difference is, is because they went, what, 10 and 3, and the 05 team went 9 and 3. The difference is the 05 team was in every game they lost. The 06 team got dominated in every game they lost. I mean, the Michigan game was over by the end of the, by halftime. USC game was over by halftime. The LSU game was over by halftime. You know, that wasn't the case in 05. Even the Ohio State game. I mean, if Zibikowski's fumble doesn't get returned, uh, fumble touchdown doesn't get overturned, that's a tie ball game in the fourth quarter, I believe. Sure. You know, and so, yeah. Had to bring that Ohio State game up, didn't you? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, know, it's it's better than the Sugar Bowl the next year. That's for darn sure. (laughs) <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. Pauly B27, what will you guys be looking for specifically in some of the coaches during fall camp? Much loved IB and appreciate all the great content. Thanks, Pauly. I appreciate that. Uh, for me, Vince, it's it's really, it's just, I want to see the returners taking more command, right? And and I want to see, Jer- you know, we talked a lot about Jared Parker and what we want to see from him, you know, just setting the tone and how the team goes about its business, you know, I want to see him, honestly, I want to see the OC barking at players more for not hustling and not playing hard. I, I, if a quarterback misses a read on day one, you get him, you correct it. Like, yeah. I, I, just, hey, you know, just in here, let's make sure you, but if a guy runs a, 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 a go route and he's walking off the field, I'm getting on you. I'm, I'm not getting on you because you dropped the ball. I'm getting on you because you're lazily walking off the field. That's not what we do here. It's about setting the the ad- sure. agenda for who we're going to be, how we're going to go about our business every day, right? You make a mistake, that's even more reason for you to hustle off, right? Right? You compounded the drop pass by lazily walking off the field, or you know you you miss a block and I pull you out and you just kind of waddle over the side. Uh, uh-uh, get off the field. You know what I mean? Like we we're we're right. working, we're getting here, and I care more about that stuff the first week of camp than I do necessarily were you pristine in your execution on day one. That'll come. Sure. You got to set a tone for how you're going to go about your business. And that's the biggest thing I want to see from Jared Parker is and and the the offensive coaches and the defensive coaches is getting on guys for that stuff. Not hustling, not playing with fire, not playing with passion, not doing things the right way. Not, you know, we're saying run from drill to drill. You know, I I better not see a senior be the second to last guy getting there unless for some reason he was still standing over there talking to the position coach. Hey, coach, hold on a second. You got they're all spread over there, but just real fast. Cool, cool, cool. We'll talk it out. Now sprint over there. You're the last guy there, but that's because you were there's a reason sure. for it. Don't be that because I like remember that practice we were at in 2016. This is when we knew this team was in trouble. They Brian Kelly, they were so bad on offense, the energy level, the emotion was so but he made them run a lap around the field. I've never seen a division one team and never seen a Notre Dame team ever <laughs> do that ever in my life. Never even heard of that. Like that's the crap you do in high school. You know what I mean? Yep. Oh, yeah. And and who was like one of the last guys to finish the sprints? It's Deshaun Kaiser. And it just was like, this is not good, right? Like just – and nobody said anything to him. Nobody nobody got on him. You're the quarterback. You're one of the best athletes on our team. What are you doing? And you just kind of like, yeah, I, I, this is a problem. This is a big problem. Huge problem. Yeah, this is a big yeah. problem. I, I, I've said this before, and so I'll reiterate it very quickly because uh, I've said it on other shows. But what I like – I like to listen to what the coaches are coaching because – especially early on in camp because – I am a firm believer in what you believe is what you stress. Yeah. And, and and if I'm hearing a lot of fundamental talk and and just, you know, the stuff I want to hear as a coach and, and I, I'm hearing toughness, it from these fire fundamentals, yes. toughness, fire fundamentals. Yes, yes. Exactly. If I'm hearing that over and over again and it's, and it's just boom, 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 yeah. then I'm going to be happy with what I'm hearing. You know what I mean? Like, because that's what you're stressing and that's what you will continue right. to stress throughout the whole year when we're not there. Yeah. Okay. Because, that's who coaches are, man. Like you stress what you believe and you stress who you are and your philosophy. And so if I'm hearing all the good stuff, the good talk, the good, and then I'll, that's what I'm going to be listening to. And I'll be happy. Yep. 
Ju with the super chat. Thank you very, very much. Will Parker sit in the box or be on the sidelines? I, I would imagine know the answer to that. I would imagine he's going to be on the box. I would imagine I that. Would I don't. I don't. We don't know the answer to that for sure. Part of that's yeah. going to be how fall camp goes. If is there a lot of trust in the guys down the field, sure. you know? But I would imagine he's going to be on the on the, in the box. Would be my guess if I had to if I had to give one now. And thank you for the super chat, by the way. I really awesome. Really, really appreciate that. Lance Hab, you mentioned that at times players didn't come to balance. What does it mean to be in balance? Is it just breaking down your feet? Or is there other things that lead to a player being balanced? I assume he's well, talking it, extensively it, when you're. Yeah, it's it's an expression. So so breaking down your feet is kind of part of it, but I'm not a big fan of like breaking down your feet per se. Uh, like I'm not a big fan of like coming to balance because if you come to balance like the old school come to balance, Reggie Bush is juking you, right? I mean, Peter Works juking you. It's more about being under control. And even though I'm so running, I have sink in my hips. I'm 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 ready to kind of plant and move where they would just kind of come flying up out of control with no ability to stop and redirect and then run right by the quarterback and get to him. So come to balance to me is, is nuanced a little bit to where it was maybe 20 years ago when I first got into coaching where it was, I mean, you, you just, you know, you'd, you'd run you to know, a ball they, and you'd kind of break. Shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. When have you ever yeah. done that in a game? You right. never do that in a game. Right? right. And so now it's like, it's about running to that target but now you're kind of in a really athletic form as you're running, running where you can kind of plant and drive or plant and redirect, uh, as opposed to just like a full sprint, you know. And, and your 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 legs are narrow and you're upright. If that right. guy makes a move, you're toast. You have right, no exactly. chance to, to to redirect at all. So that's really what it, it's a good question, Lance. But that's really what it comes down to. It's not the slow down, chop 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 thing of the past because you're going to get beat in that type of situation now there are times when defensive linemen will do that because they're contained players that's a different thing that we're talking about right so like if you're the backside end and you see run action away you're not screaming down the line necessarily to make that play because you're the bootleg you're the contained guy i gotta be chop 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 and then if that quarterback then i see that quarterback bootlegging out i'm going to him well what if he doesn't have the ball that's not my problem. My job right. is to go to the quarterback. Exactly. You know, and, and have some sort of balance at it and take a proper angle. And, and a lot of that stuff, too, is about angles and all that. But uh, you'll see that initially. But when you're attacking the ball, you're not doing that chop, 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 chop thing. That's that's just a drill that we all learned when we were young. And you, why do you keep doing that? Because that's what I was taught to do, right? So we do. It's not super practical. Okay. Well, right. what do you mean? Well, name me a time on in football other than when a fair catch is being made and you have to come to balance like that that you actually do the chop, 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 stop thing. You know, like you just, you just don't do it. You play the angles, you, you're, you're balanced, meaning you can cut either way, or I can still run through you if you try to outrun me. It's those type of things. So very yep. good question. 